Welcome to the Keos Podcast, a series dedicated to bringing you the best claims and legal insight. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keos Safeguarding Matters Podcast. My name is Laura Nolan. I'm an associate and the safeguarding lead in the abuse team here at Keos. In today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the topic of sharing information to safeguard children. The Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse, often referred to as ICSA, published its final report almost a year ago in October 2022, containing 20 recommendations that it considered necessary to protect children from sexual abuse. One of those recommendations, and in fact the second most frequently identified area for change, was in relation to access to records. The inquiry recommended that the government direct the Information Commissioner's Office, or the ICO, to introduce a code of practice on retention and access to records known to relate to child sexual abuse. Whilst the code is still awaited, the ICO has published new guidance on data protection when sharing information to safeguard children. The guidance is aimed at professionals involved in child safeguarding, a 10-step guide clearly setting out data protection and best practice for sharing information to safeguard children. Appropriate information sharing is central to effectively safeguarding children from harm and promoting their well-being. And data protection law doesn't prevent you from doing this. It simply helps you to share information in a fair, proportionate and lawful way. To work through each step, step one is that you should be clear about how data protection can help you share information to safeguard a child. The clear message is that data protection is a framework to help share information, not to prevent sharing, but obviously there can be challenges to overcome. There can be practical challenges such as technological ones or relating to systems and processes that aren't effective or that aren't compatible with other organisations you need to share information with. Challenges due to organisational culture or long established practices that can be difficult to change and misconceptions that you cannot share information due to data protection when in fact, yes, you can. When information is shared in good faith to help identify and safeguard a child believed to be at risk of harm, it will never breach UK data protection law to share all the information you need with an appropriate person or authority in order to safeguard a child. Step two is that you should identify the objective for sharing information and what information needs to be shared. You should be clear about the purpose for sharing the information. Safeguarding a child is clearly a compelling reason and you can share all the information you need to with an appropriate person or authority. Step three is you should consider developing clear and secure policies and systems for sharing information by putting strong governance, policies and systems in place and keeping them under regular review. By building a culture of compliance and good practice throughout your organisation, it can help you to share information securely. And by training everyone in your organisation in safeguarding data protection to the level that they need, means that everyone knows what is required of them. For frequent or regular sharing, you can establish rules and agree procedures in advance, including giving consideration to entering into a data sharing agreement. For one-off information sharing, you should make a decision on what is needed to safeguard a child based on the circumstances and risk at the time, bearing in mind what is fair and proportionate. Step four is that you should be clear about transparency and individual rights. You should be clear about what happens to personal information at every stage, how you'll inform people about this and how you'll handle requests by people to access their information rights. However, if you are sharing information for safeguarding purposes, you might not be obliged to allow people to exercise all of their rights. For example, if given access to a person to information you hold about them would likely to cause serious harm to a child. Step five is to assess the risks and share as needed. 
Sometimes you may have to decide quickly about sharing information in conditions of real urgency or even an emergency. In these situations, don't be put off from sharing information. You should assess the risk and do what is necessary and proportionate. Step six is to give consideration into entering a data sharing agreement between you and other parties that you intend to share information with. The benefits that can come from this are that it helps you and the other party you are planning to share the information with to be clear about what information you are sharing, be clear about how it will happen and demonstrate that you are responsible for complying with data protection law. That leads me on to step seven, which is to follow the data protection principles. And the seven data protection principles lie at the heart of data protection and you should follow them when handling or sharing personal information. They are lawfulness, fairness and transparency, the legitimate purpose to share, data minimisation, which is that you share information that is adequate, relevant and limited to what is necessary for the purposes, accuracy, storage limitations, so you should only keep the information for no longer than is necessary, integrity and confidentiality, and accountability. Step eight is that when you are sharing information, you should use the right lawful basis. A lawful basis is a valid reason in data protection law for processing personal information. Using the right lawful basis means you can share all the information you need to with an appropriate authority or individual in order to safeguard a child. You should identify at least one lawful basis for sharing information before you start the sharing when possible. Ensure that you can demonstrate that you considered which lawful basis to use in order to satisfy the accountability principle. You should keep a record of your decision and your reasons, even if you decide that you do not have a lawful basis and therefore cannot share the information. One thing to note is that consent is one lawful basis, but it is not required for sharing information in a safeguarding context. In fact, in most safeguarding scenarios, you will be able to find a more appropriate basis. Step nine is share information in an emergency. In an emergency, you should not hesitate to share information to safeguard a child, and you might not have the time to follow all the usual processes. You should make a record of what you have shared, who with, and why as soon as possible. Some situations might be urgent, but not necessarily an emergency, and you should take a proportionate approach in those circumstances. Step 10 is to read an ICO data sharing code of practice. And as mentioned before, whilst the inquiry has directed that there should be a specific code for retention and access to records known to relate to child sexual abuse, currently the ICO has some general guides on retention of records and data sharing, as well as this guidance that you might want to refer to. Now that I've taken you through the 10-step guide, one of the things that the guidance does not seem to touch on is non-recent safeguarding records and retention periods. ICSA noted that retention periods for records which may contain information about child sexual abuse may vary. And data shows that it can take years, if not decades, for victims or survivors to feel able to disclose the abuse. And this delayed disclosure can often mean that records have been destroyed under a retention period. The inquiry recommended that records identified as relating to allegations should be retained for 75 years with appropriate review periods. Safeguarding records may include safeguarding concerns or allegations and details of any actions taken. There may also be records which, although not personal to specific victims and survivors, are relevant to establishing what's happened at an institution. For example, safeguarding policies and procedures, personnel files and details of investigations or disciplinary procedures. Whilst this guidance is aimed at professionals responsible for safeguarding children, this is a friendly reminder that safeguarding children is everyone's responsibility. 
What is clear is that the need to improve data sharing practices has been highlighted in recent serious case reviews in the UK, where children have died or been seriously harmed through abuse or neglect. Poor information sharing among organisations and agencies was identified as one of the factors contributing to failure to protect the children. I hope you find this podcast informative and look forward to our next episode on Keo's Safeguarding Matters. Thank you.